Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Get it on. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, December 2nd, 2020. This is episode 137-137. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving or however you celebrate wherever you're listening in the world. I'm so excited to be rounding out this year with some incredible interviews. But first up, we've got my man, Nick Hayes. Now, Nick is currently based in Atlanta, Georgia, working in the film industry, but he spends any and all excess time pumping out incredible tracks, and it was such a pleasure to get his full story for this interview. In episode 137, we discussed Nick's early inspirations and experiences. We talked about the Midwest electronic scene a lot. He's from Michigan, and he was hooked after his first few live shows. And it's so funny because I had a similar experience as well when I was in college. One of the first electronic shows I ever saw was Avicii, and his was Steve Aoki. You could call us cookie cutter, but those days really do make an impact on you. Now, one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to Nick was, of course, to discuss music. He's an incredibly talented progressive house producer, and he continues to get better and better with each track. We ran through all of his releases and talked about where he was at creatively when he was making these tracks, and I'm a huge fan of all of them. Now, I'm not the only one who thinks he's a great producer. Christian Naren, a.k.a. Hodor from Game of Thrones, who, if you didn't know, is a touring DJ and is actually pretty incredible. And, of course, Above and Beyond, one of the biggest groups of all time in the electronic music world. They have both supported his music and so many other producers, and it's just incredible. I want to acknowledge you again for that, man. Now, as we all know, 2020 has been a tough year for everybody, especially the music industry. So I wanted to ask Nick how he's been able to stay motivated and creative. And he said he's used this year to his advantage. Working in the movie industry can have long, long days, and it can be pretty tough to balance anything else outside of that. So obviously, with so much stuff on hold right now, he's been able to get into the studio. And I'm telling you, he's setting himself up for a big 2021. I can't wait to hear all this music coming. It was such a pleasure to have Nick on Sherman the Booth. Like I said, guys, I'm a really big fan of his style of music. I have a soft spot for Progressive House, and all of his songs really, really hit the feels for me. So I wanted to have him on, like I said, get his full story, and it was such a blast. Without further ado, guys, let's do it right now. This is episode 137 with Nick Hayes. All right, Nick Hayes. Welcome to Sherman the Booth, my man. How are you? Coming in live from ATL, Atlanta, Georgia. This man told me before we went on air, he experienced a, a sunburn and also a frostbite the, in the same day. Is that how the weather is out there right now? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, part of it's, you know, just to make fun of the people that are stuck in the cold right now. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Being from uh, Michigan myself, you kind of uh, experience well, both sides of it, just not like in the same day, you know, like you guys get like, well, Chicago gets like snow and then the next day it's hot out. So, um, yeah, yeah, I guess just like to poke fun of people that are still kind of stuck in the cold. <laughs> well, I, uh, I have a lot of friends that are from Atlanta and my day job is actually in transportation. 
and logistics. And I know whenever it rains in Atlanta, it might as well be like 10 inches of snow. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people like, so like, I don't know how, like, I haven't been in Chicago long enough to be like the drivers are bad, but uh, I think I can speak for Michigan drivers. Like they all speed, like, but uh, you know, they can drive in the snow and whatever, but in Atlanta, like, man, like they talk about snow, the whole city shuts down. Like it rains, people can't drive. And honestly, if it's sunny, people can't drive. So it's like the Southern hospitality thing is real until you get in a car and then everybody's like cutting each other off and and whatever. So it's, you know, it's interesting place. The insurance rates are high for a reason, I think, but. uh, Well, that's awesome, man. Coming from, uh, you said Detroit, right? Yeah, just just outside of Detroit probably like 20 right. minutes, 30 minutes Detroit to Michigan State to Atlanta now tell us before we get into music and everything in your story you're in the movie business man how long you been doing that for uh yeah so movies since pretty much I wanted to do it I guess I mean I as long as I can remember um I've kind of bounced around a little bit recently in what I do but um yeah, I've always kind of had the vision to kind of do uh, movies and and just stuck with it, went to school for it. I think, you know, when, when I was little, we moved out to California for a few years. So maybe that was like what was like, oh, yeah. movies, you know, it's all at the time. A lot of it was there. But also when we moved back to Michigan, there were film incentives in Michigan. So mm-hmm. went to film school there. And then right when I graduated, that was the year the incentives went away. And so most of the jobs went away and I got a call from the people I, uh, I got lucky. I, I worked on a movie in college with, uh, my professor at the time and the guy who produced that, it was like a small independent thing. Um, and the guy was probably like our age now and he was like producing it, but he ended up working in the production office of Transformers, like the fifth one. And so when he, um, when we finished that movie, he was like, Hey, you know, like, I know you're still in school, but like, what do you say? Like, you know, at the summer between junior and senior year, you come work for three months on Transformers when they're shooting in Detroit. So I, I got my start in the production office there and yeah. had had a nice little like, oh, this is what movies is like. And then I had to go back to film school where everybody thinks they're a director and not working on a $300 million movie. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, you know, at the end of that, the, that crew was like, hey, we're going to go do Avengers, like come with us. But my parents were like, finish school. So I was like, all right, finish school. And then I got a call for... Uh, uh, Venom, which was like with Tom Hardy and Love that um, a couple of those people. Um, but yeah, moved moved down here for that. I don't think Georgia was ever like a place. I was like, oh, like I don't think I'll ever end up in Georgia. I never really like considered it, but uh, that's where the work was. And yeah, I mean, the rest is kind of history. I've been doing that for uh, probably three and a half years since I graduated or something like that. I don't, yeah, I don't know how long it's been whatever 2017 is so <laughs> amazing dude what what's your exact role are you kind of a jack of all trades or do you just um, right now well yeah so right now i work in visual effects that's like a new um kind of the newer thing i've been doing um but uh, before that i was kind of going this like route to become an assistant director so you work as like a production assistant uh you gotta get like 600 days to get in the union and then be like a second second ad or whatever and that could probably be a whole nother um, conversation of itself, but uh, yeah, you know, I've got to got to work on some cool movies uh, and 
yeah, I mean, it takes up a lot of time, but uh, yeah, I've, I've had some cool like moments. Like, you know, I got to meet like Clint Eastwood and like work with The Rock on some things and, um, you know, see a lot of explosions, get yelled at by Michael Bay. Like a lot of like things <laughs> that like most people don't get to do on a normal day. So, so yeah. that's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, I know you said you liked Venom, but if you like look at like three minute, like the three minute mark or somewhere in there uh, in the movie, I have like a little cameo as like a dead astronaut. It was just like a joke, but they ended, up, they ended up putting it in the movie. So I saw my oh. face in IMAX, but yeah. So hey, that's it's like, fucking awesome, dude. I'll have to send you the link after. So it's, it's, yeah. pretty, like, it's like some like Russian movie theater where they, they have like the, um, you know, someone's just like recording it in theater on their iPhone, but like that's what I show my family, and they were like proud of me. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's just fun. Oh, man. Fun little that's tip. Really cool. I, I actually uh, I went to Indiana for uh, the media school and focused on design and production. I didn't didn't get that deep, although I did have some aspirations to go into the radio and broadcasting role, which I'm now doing, of course, as a side hustle. You know, it seems to be working. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, it seems to be working. My parents are glad that at least I'm putting my degree to work in some way. Like yeah. your parents, they said, please finish school. My parents said, please finish school. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we don't care what you do, but you gotta you gotta finish. So yeah, I guess I'm kind of glad I did. So yeah, definitely. Well, very cool, man. And it's. It's, it's awesome because for those that don't know, Atlanta is such a huge hub for movies these days. Um, and it's really just like, I mean, everybody's always thought it's Hollywood, it's LA, right? Which it is, but I guess real quick, why, when did it make the big transition over to Atlanta and, and what were some of the main reasons? Um, so, I mean, honestly, like, I think the film industry kind of just follows like money and the incentives. Yeah. You can make, I mean, a lot of these movies now, they, they have enough money to, to make anywhere look like anything, you know? Yeah, true. And, um, you know, I've, I've been on movies where they fake snow or they fake water or they fake beaches, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think really the main thing was in Atlanta was, I would say, probably in, the incentive program. And you know, without getting too much into it, I think they had a incentive program like a lot of the other um states at the time like i think around like 2000 i don't know i don't want to like give it a date and then get called out on it but yeah i'd say probably like 2008 or like you know probably before like 2014 like a lot of states were, were doing like oh we could do film bring film here to film in these abandoned detroit buildings for example right um but like atlanta just really stuck it out and kind of just like out incentivized every other state and a lot of states were like well you know i don't i don't know looking back if they really dumped in a lot of money like to get the infrastructure there uh, mm -hmm. but now you had a, you have these big studios um, one of them being the studio called like Pinewood Studios um, mm -hmm. they are also based in in uh, Europe and they have I think it's like London or the UK and they have um that's where they like shoot like the Star Warses and like you know all the, all the big movies that we watch here right and um, they opened up a studio that's just out maybe like 50 minutes south of Atlanta or, you know, so 30 minutes or something. And uh, they shoot a lot of bigger movies there now. And they've, they've since changed the name of the studio. But um, there's a lot of just like there's so much happening here um, where it's like I've bought warehouses and turned them into like <laughs> sound stages. But it's like you drop a pin on one side of the building and you like hear hear it on the other side they're like what was that sound like we're trying to shoot and it's like i don't know man like you're also half renting this space to a a place that makes like 
air horns. Like I, I can't help you, you know, but, um, yeah, so that's, I think, uh, honestly, I think Atlanta's probably one of the number one places in the world to film. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, the weather is, you know, nice that the California people are cold, but if you're from like the Midwest or anywhere that it gets, you know, below 50 degrees, you're like, all right, like it's not horrible. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think there's just a lot of um, space to build, like in some of the places that they're building, and the land hasn't caught up to the value like California is. You know, if you're, right. you're buying or renting, I mean, they're starting to, and rents are kind of astronomically overpriced in some areas. And as soon as they're like, "Hey, the Hollywood people are coming to town," they're like, "Cool, we'll put in the Whole Foods and the, you know, whatever, and the price yeah, of living is going to go up five thousand percent." But uh, the Whole Foods comes in. As soon as the Whole Foods comes in, your town's done. No, I don't know. Uh, there's an Aldi down the street. I've never been, but uh, I was telling my roommate tonight, I was like, we got to try Aldi sometime. Like, just see yeah. what it's like. And people say it's great. I don't know. But Great fresh produce, I promise you. I'm a Kroger guy, but uh, yeah, myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bougie enough, but uh, yeah, who knows? That's very cool, man. I'm, um, I'm I'm envious in a few ways that you're living in a city like Atlanta, which is obviously growing so much. There's so much diversity there and just the arts and culture and music scene there is awesome. But you're coming from Detroit, Michigan, man, which is like the birthplace of techno, you know, home of mu movement festival, like one of the main hubs in the Midwest, Chicago's, you know, brother, like it's a great city. I have a lot of friends from there. I I've been there many times. What was your exposure like to electronic music growing up there? Did your parents love it? Was that, what was that like for you? Um, so I wouldn't say it was much my parents. Um, they were, they were teaching me how to play like piano, uh, and stuff, uh, bless their hearts. I think that helped in the long term, uh, becoming yeah. a producer and understanding music theory. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll always have like a soft spot for, you know, uh, orchestral stuff and movie soundtracks, uh, you know, the, the box, the Beethoven's of the world. Um, yeah. I was I could never read music or anything like that, but I think uh, the person that actually got me into dance music, like I used to not listen to like radio music. I was like that like weird hipster guy that was like I gotta find it before it's on the radio or whatever. But um, my my one buddy, his name was Matt Smilt, and he uh, we called him Smilt because his last name. But uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, he drove me to school every day, and <clears throat> he'd always have. It was like when like the aux cord, you know, was like invented. So like that was yeah. like the cool thing, you know, and Generation. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Uh, some people are like, bro, like what? But I guess <laughs> that was like tapes and CDs. But uh, he uh, basically would play like, you know, some some music and he showed me this one song. And like this was back when like Shazam wasn't around uh, where it was like anything with like a piano people would be like Avicii you know and I was like oh, I don't know the song actually was like an impetto track um that I heard first and then um another one called like uh oh man I don't even remember Cherry Coke by like Milky Way or something like that or yeah or something wow, like that throwback yeah holy shit and and I made him listen to that song like every day because I was like, bro, this song is awesome, you know. And he was like, I think by the end of it, he was like, okay, I can't do this for like because we we would get to school early and like just like jam out in the parking lot and like yeah, it's just like high school. That's the thing to do, you know. You have your car, listen to music loud or whatever. And um, yeah, we would like sit in the parking lot listening to that song on repeat. And uh, eventually, he was like, okay, finally we have to change this. He 
he found this song called Levels by Avicii, and then that was kind of what that was like my like song that everybody was like, all right, like you play that, like Nick's gonna pop up. Like it was it was so bad to the point that even when I was like mascotting, I would like you know go over to the DJ and like you know push him aside, like use the CDJs or whatever, and uh, kind of like put levels on. And the people like that you know knew me would be like, okay, like some people would be like, whoa, you know, like that mascot, he's playing like levels. That's really cool. And a lot of people were like, Nick. Like, so, I mean, maybe I gave it away because it is, it was like a secret when you were, when you were doing it there at the time. But uh, yeah, I think I just kind of used the suit to just do what I ever wanted to do. And yeah, like, uh, but yeah, so I guess that's how I got into it, uh, into listening to music and we would, you know, listen to that. And eventually he was like saying he, uh, you know, he showed me like FL and kind of got into the producing side of things and, and whatnot, but Wow. So you were your buddy not only showed you electronic music or you kind of discovered this new layer or genre entirely together, but you yeah. also producing together. Did you guys DJ before? Or did you start producing? Uh, before you um, so I guess um, he he had like a cracked version of like FL or something like that. And and we would like mess around on that. I think he downloaded like a. Uh, like a, a project file from like a dead mouse track and and he was like yo i made this and i was like bro what you like made the belt like that's so sick like <laughs> how did you do this you know and like we would yeah. like, sit there and try to take it apart and like i just remember you know we didn't have like any like monitors or anything and we would just kind of like drive around town and like okay like target parking lot tonight and we would like try to like work on our song in the car with the song plugged into the aux cord and oh my probably God. why i'm hearing damage now but um, that was that was pretty much like my introduction to producing, but I I wouldn't have started producing until ser I would say more seriously until years later down the road. But the DJing thing kind of like started catching on maybe June like in in I would say I was on the swim team and so like we always had like like the locker room playlist. So I kind of like started with that and then I'd like put together things that I were like, yo, I made this mix and like they were total trash. Like I didn't. I think I had like Sony Vegas Pro at the time, and I was like, like just like you know, fading the, the Fade songs into each yeah. other. But like, basically, when I started DJing, I I didn't have the cool aux cord like all the other kids did. Mm -hmm. I had this like thing. I had like a tape. It was like a tape cassette, and you put it in, and it like blocked out like one of the random like radio frequencies, you know, so you could like find a a radio station that wasn't being used. And you could like, you know, be on the radio or whatever. And uh, but the problem was my cigarette lighter in the front seat of the car was not working. And that's how it got power, you know. And then the yeah. one in the middle of the console wasn't working. So if I wanted to have anything on like my iPod Nano or whatever, I had to like plug the cigarette lighter you know, radio jammer thing into the back trunk of my car. And like, you know, you obviously can't pull over every time you want to like change the song. So I would like make these little mixes if I knew I was going on like a 30 minute drive, like boom, right. 30 minute mix. And like, yes. they weren't like the best thing, but it like really is like everybody just wanted to hear the songs that like, you know, I produced right. or whatever at the time. But like, right. I, I just, it was not like my definition of producing is a lot different now than, you know, putting a couple songs together but uh yeah i guess those little 30 minute mixes were how i drove around and and listened to things before that <laughs> sounds like though to a certain extent like 
and you know, being from the Midwest, right? Like I, I'm from a town outside of Indianapolis, man. And um, you know, I had one friend that showed me uh, a Steve Aoki song, "Bloody Bloody Beetroots" and Steve Aoki "Warp 1.9." When I was like, I think it was one of the first times I was ever drunk, and I was like, "What is this?" Right? And then I started listening to Dead Mouse. But I didn't have a lot of people that surrounded me that were like, this is what we want to listen to, this is what we want to do. And it sounds like to me you have a similar story um, as I did in, in regards to you kind of like found this and you kept going, whether you're by yourself or with your one or two buddies, right? It's always been this undiscovered passion for you, right? Yeah, so I guess like the swim team, we had all like the weird like European songs, like the, there you I don't want to say like, we had like, we you know, obviously we had like, you know, whatever like the i'm blue like eiffel uh 65 yeah 65 yeah or you know <laughs> something like those weird like there was this one song called like resuscitate me like that would everybody would like sing in the locker room but like i don't even know where we found some of these songs but like <laughs> i i remember one of them was um the alesso uh i think it was like alesso remix of fashion and grosso and calling Yep, yep. That was that was a big one in the locker room, and lose my mind was another yep. one. So, yeah, I don't know. Whenever those come on, it's kind of like I remember those. But uh, yeah, I mean, we I, they even weren't really into it. I I don't you know yeah. I don't think point I was, and I I honestly had never even been to a concert or anything until um, college. I think it's funny how you you said. Um, Steve Aoki was the first like person you listened to because I think the first concert I went to was put on the first and last uh, EDM concert MSU ever did was uh, Steve Aoki, uh, Gareth Emery, and wow. Rehab, which is like a very strange lineup looking yeah. at, looking at it now. But I guess times were different, and yeah. Uh, yeah, they actually like moved into like the Life and Color scene, which I think you probably had plenty of those in in the Midwest because why not do life in color in October when it's freezing cold and you dump paint on everybody and then kick them out when yeah. you get things over on the street. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely had my fair share of those as well. So, and that was, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, your your uh, roots are obviously in progressive from what you were just saying. And obviously the music you released today is progressive before we kind of jump into your discography how did your influences grow and evolve from what you're talking about here, kind of this European music for the most part, right? I mean, you haven't said, other, and at least from what you preferred, not a lot of American producers. What, where were you kind of like growing at this point when you started getting deeper and deeper, right? Because you know how it goes. You start with Steve Aoki, and then you go to Alesso, and then you go to Axwell, and then you go to the Swedish guys, and then you go to another layer. And next thing you know, you're listening to Dark Techno. Yeah, I'm at Bergen, right? <laughs> um, no, so I think like that's like one of the cool things that will always be like this is the this is what I like about dance music. It's like it is like this like onion that like has all these different layers like musically. Yeah. Um, it's like you know before I before me and my roommate were roommates and hanging out all the time and you know buddies in college like he didn't know what dance music was you know he loves yeah. dave matthews band i'm like i don't know what dave matthews band <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you my neighbor is actually named dave matthews but he's not in the dave matthews band but that's just like a fun fact um he uh yeah, like, I mean, I think it's cool seeing how, like, some of the songs I listen to, it's like, okay, well, you don't like that, let's go to, like, the chill tracks, and, like, we'll, we'll start vetting things out, and I think that's kind of how that 
happened with me um i i was like i'm not gonna lie like i love like the big room like like in your face you know who didn't um because that was like my first like concert and like it was weird because like everyone was there to be like oh i want to get drunk like i remember everybody like put on glasses because we thought that's what you do because you're like oh yeah we wear glasses because the lasers are going to be so bright and like like yeah whatever like looking back it's like really cheesy but um yeah i mean i really liked gareth emery and um rehab had a couple songs like i think one of them was called uh revolution oh yeah he had, he had one called like Samurai that, and I just remember like messaging him and being like, "Hey man, can you please play your new track Revolution?" And like, I think it's so stupid how like I even did that, but uh, <laughs> obviously he's like obviously he's gonna play it. It was like his new song at the time, and yeah, and, you know whatever. But um, right. yeah, I think like after so going back to the question, sorry. Um, you can like cut me off if I uh, if I go too long. Um, like like basically uh that festival like concert thing was like awesome in our minds and like the university was like great never again <laughs> so then life and color came the next year and i think it was steve aoki because people loved him laid back luke and a couple other like local guys maybe and um i like went to that show and i was like wow that was cool like i hated getting sprayed with paint and then kicked out on the street and you're freezing it's like the end of october and just yeah. everybody's pissed drunk and i'm like that one weird sober kid that's there for the music and yeah, like whatever yeah. um but yeah i was like dude it would be cool to play this concert and i kind of like made it a goal to like i was like i want to play like a life in color and everybody's like, all right, cool, like, whatever, you know? Right. And uh, and I had, like, a couple of buddies in high school that, like, would go to come up to school, and we'd go to that. But um, yeah. the next year, they had, like, a voting contest to, like, open for Life in Color. And I had no, like, de- real DJing experience or anything, but I was like, I'm going to win this contest. Like, yeah. I'm going to do this. Like, Hardwell came to East Lansing, too. Nice. And it was, like, a voting contest, and I came in, like, second place. Oh. And I was like, oh, all right, bummer. Like that would have been cool. But I was like, I'm not gonna not gonna lose life in color. So I like I went like door to door in the dorms. Like I literally stood outside like the students' doors. I'm like, hey, do you have two seconds to like vote for you know for Jesus and also to vote for my like you, you know, mix or whatever? And like, you know, most people like <laughs> laughed at that or I was like, yo, the other guy goes to U of M and most people are like, oh, all right, I'll vote, you know, like because yeah, they're yeah. drunk or whatever. And yeah, I like I got the most votes and I won. And then it was kind of at that point, I was like, oh, shit, like I did it. I don't know how to DJ. I had my like Tractor S2, you know, and I I, I don't know if the picture's yeah. still like my Instagram or whatever, but like they like put the CDJs like they had the CDJs set up. And I was like, yeah, I don't know how to use those. So I brought my own tractor and we like put it on top of the CDJs and I got like. <laughs> I like had my whole set planned and I was like, all right, it's going to be great. I have all these deep house tracks to play. And then like, they were letting me like test early before. Um, I don't even like remember who it was like milk and cookies who I think are from Chicago milk and cooks now are from yeah, Chicago. Yeah. And yep. uh, a couple other, I don't even remember now. Wow. You'd think you'd, you'd remember that, but whatever. So um yeah, yeah, I was the star. I was the opening star, you know. That's but they right. opened the doors of the the concert early. They're like, "Hey, you're supposed to play 30 minutes. Can you play 55 now?" And I was like, "Oh, 
So I can't, you know, like, so I like, you know, threw some things together, hit the sync button a few times and like, people were like, they loved it. They thought it was great. And I was like, cool. But like, it didn't feel right to be like, these weren't my songs. Right. And I, and I didn't, I didn't go and play like all the bangers. Cause I like did my research and, you know, I was like, okay, laid back Luke wouldn't want me to play this if I was opening for him or, you know, like whatever. Yeah. That was like my justification at the time yeah. where I was like, so what kind of songs do I play? Right. And I was like, well, deep house, like that was like, I, my opening tr- tracks were like, you know, Oliver Heldens, like Gecko at the time. And I thought that was like as deep as you can get. Right. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, but like, you know, now I know there's a lot of different things. And I think just over time, I started to be like, well, this was cool DJing. And I, that was like the only show. And then I, I did the same thing the next year and tried to, I actually wanted to open for like Riff Raff, Seven Lions. I remember that one. That was in Ann Arbor. Um, but they ended up they ended up canceling the show the night before um because like the venue like backed out um for some other reasons but um anyways i was like well i don't want to keep doing this like if like it just doesn't feel right playing other people's music so i was like i want to play music that i'm able to play like in an opening set and so i took i just kind of took a step back from djing and not that i had like this long extensive career by any means i just show up with my career and like, do whatever but sure. um sure but, but that was kind of the point where I was like, okay, I can't play animals, you know, if I'm like yeah. opening, you know, so like, what do I start getting into? And that kind of like forced me to start going into things. And then I took, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I started listening to like deeper stuff. And my one friend was like, Hey, you should listen to this guy called Grum. And, uh, I was like, all right, like, I'll give it a shot. Like I'm the cheapest person in the world. And there happened to be a free concert, um, Grum was playing at the Grasshopper in Ferndale. I don't oh, know if you've yeah. ever been there, but yeah. they bring some amazing acts there. And um, yeah, it was literally free. So I was like, free is has four letters. So does my name. Like, let's go. You know, I'll be first in. And it's like, yeah. I had to get there at 930 or whatever. But I was like, yeah, dude. I, I stood there and like waited, you know, for the music to start. Then they, you know, the guy, like the opener played and whatever. And uh, yeah, but I, honestly, that was, like, really cool. Like, he had a couple, like, remixes at the time that I thought were really nice. And um, I just, I kind of really fell in love with the, that, like, progressive trance kind of, like, in yeah. its in its hate. And I say heyday in my opinion, but um, that was, like, probably 2017. That was probably, like, right when it was, like, eh, you know, for, for yeah. most of the progressive scene. Um but uh yeah so that was i think might even 2016 but i was like this is really cool and yeah um i i at grasshopper uh like you can get like right behind the dj you know people or whatever so i was like right there behind him by the end of the night just like watching the cd it's like watching him and i was like wow this is like something else at one point he like turned around and i was like oh crap like i got too close you know and he was like hey i think he thought i worked there but he was like can you can you like get me a water and i was like uh yeah yeah like i'll get you water i was so like this guy's talking to me like this is sick right <laughs> and so like i go to the bar like because i'm like i'm a total like night nightlife noob right mm. and i i go up to the bar and i'm like hey you know grum wants a water and they're like yeah okay sure i'm sure he does yeah okay next in line <laughs> so i like, go to the next bartender and they're like uh can uh you know can i get the dj a water i was like okay i'll change it up a little bit and they're like yeah, okay yeah. yeah they're like here's a water man just just you know whatever like you'd need another drink for real yeah um so i like took it to him and you know he said thank you and that i was like all right that's cool like 
all right, you know, I guess that's it. And like after the yeah. show though, it's like we, we talked a little bit and he like stayed after and talked to me. And that was, that was actually pretty cool. And, you know, I, I was like, I have some questions for you. Like, of course I didn't have any questions planned. And so then he was like, yeah, like he said, you had some questions. And I was like, yeah. Uh, and I was like, how do you make your base? You know, I was like, what stupid, like, you're like, Dah. like looking back now, like, I wish I had other questions, but, um, yeah. Now that was a friend of yours, though. Yeah, yeah, we we talk a lot more now uh, than we did. Actually, ironically, well, he started playing my music like I, I guess a few years after that, right? And um, ironically, last winter I like met him. Like I've I've met him at other shows where I'm like, ah, like you know, like when they like go to talk to people and it's so embarrassing. But um, the thing I don't get is like I work with all these big time actors all day and like it's like whatever, like you know, so and so is having a bad day or so and so whatever. I talk to them all day, but like put me in the room with any DJ. Like it could be someone that I'm like, just just the fact that they're a DJ and I'm like, whoa, like that's so cool, you know, like yeah. or a. Per- Honestly, more like the DJ producers. Like, there's some people you put me in a room, like, okay, this guy. Right. Whatever. But um, I think people know who those people are and yeah, whatever. But um, yeah, I was like so excited. I was going to like introduce myself and be like, hey, I'm like Nick Hayes. Thanks for playing my tracks. Like, now it could be like this, this, and this. Great. And he was like, uh, well, I told like his like, uh, it wasn't his tour manager, but I told like the the guy who was opening, and then he told the guy who like owned the club or was running the club that night at the Grasshopper, and uh, they were like, "Dude, that's so sick! You got to meet him." And then I was like, "Hey, like you know, they they cleared out the club after the show, and um, they were like, hey, like this guy is like, well, the bouncer like thought it was the coolest thing. He's this big guy, and he's like." yo grum you gotta meet this guy like he's got a sick story for you and i was like well really the story was just like he played my music i wanted to say thank you but i was like okay like thanks hype guy like you can come on my next tour but uh he uh he was like super super nice and uh yeah i mean he was basically like the the bouncer guy was like yo this is nick and i was like like hey i'm nick (laughs) was so stupid you know but yeah. then he was like Nick Hayes, and I was like, yeah, like I was, I already planned to like tell him who I was, but like he kind of like knew who I was, and right. was like, thanks for my song, this and this. And he was like, oh yeah, like for sure, like good songs. And I was like, okay, like thanks, see you later. You know, like that was my plan. I had sent him like a remix at the time that I did, and I was like, can you play this tonight? You know, but like it was on Instagram and like whatever. Right. Um, obviously, they don't check that uh, often or whatever, and. uh but yeah, it, then he was just kind of like, you know, I'm starting up a label, like would love to have something from you. And I was like, you know, like <laughs> it was like, this I didn't, ex- man, it's awesome. I was weird that it was the club I met him at, you know, and years later having produced for a little while. But like, uh, yeah, it was one of those very cool, like full circle moments that, uh, yeah. And, and he's been um, uh pretty good and him and his uh, manager have been pretty good and uh, to me so far and yeah you know we'll see what happens moving forward and i think there's there's some stuff in the works there but i know that was like your last point uh so we we, yeah you know that was the last bullet point in the questions but uh that's very looking 
just some stuff in in that realm, I guess. Uh, yeah, just, we're we're coming to that right now. That oh, okay. that was a great story, by the way. That's so cool. It's always um, I I feel the same way, man. I went on Holy Ship uh, three years ago or something, and the coolest part about that is, you know, these these DJs are just walking around. You know, they're not behind the booth. They're not inaccessible. They're there hanging out at the bar. And like the first year I went, I was like so nervous to go up and talk to any of these guys, right? Like I see like Green Velvet standing there and he's like by himself at the bar. And I'm like, I can do this. Hi, Mr. Velvet. I'm Matt from Chicago. I love oh, your hi. <laughs> <laughs> next the next year, I'm like, yo, fuck it. It's like it's green velvet, it's Solardo, it's camel fat. Like and it just is, is a whole different aspect to it. So I just wanted to relate to you on that. It's, it's really funny how that happens, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much just as bad at talking to girls as I am at DJs. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You're always just like, oh, all right. Like, it's weird. But, like, I will say, like, the weirdest thing, like, well, a few weird things have happened since, like, some songs have come out. But, like in atlanta like some people like knew who i was now obviously and like i wasn't getting shows before so i was just kind of starting to do more shows in like the half year up leading up to the pandemic or whatever and um it was cool because like i'm not saying i like walk into the club and like everybody knows who i was uh, who i you know am but i think at some point like it, it was like people were coming up to me or like you know reaching out and being like hey like you're an ins- you know your work is and you're you're you inspire me and i'm like really like yeah, that's awesome like, I'm, I'm just inspired by like this guy you know but i think it's kind of cool to be able to i mean not that i've been the best about like giving back to everybody but like you know if people like ask for feedback i try to do that or like you know this one guy like i met him at, at the club and he he like can't he was like can i can we meet up at the club or whatever and like <laughs> six, i was like okay sure like it's a public place like i'll be safe you know and when he met me his conversation was like that same exact conversation that i had when i like met grum for the first time and it was just really weird because like the questions were you know it was like how do you make your base but like it was like really that's like all i like we can just like talk like normal people, you know, like because yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really just a normal guy, and like I think it's been cool to realize that like the people that I've looked up to are just normal people. Like I, like um, well, like Christian Nairn or like Hodor, as a lot of people know him. Like he played one of my tracks called Metrolink for a while, and he came to Atlanta, and like we got to like hang out or whatever before his show, and he like let me um like, come up and backstage with him, and like you know we, we talked a little bit and um since then and everything but um Damn, bro, yeah like cool. yeah it was really a really cool thing he's a very nice uh, guy and it was cool because he's in film and i'm in film so i didn't have to be like how do you make your basis we were like yo film days are so long and like yeah. this, <laughs> like this department such a pain in the butt like yeah, it was yeah. a normal conversation like more like we're having now i think versus where you like hold these people to like this like crazy stature when they're right. not that they don't deserve some of the respect that you give them, but like, they're just people. And, um, but yeah, like that was, that was a pretty cool. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad I said that because I want wanted to see who supported your music because you've had a lot of success, man. You started releasing music in 2018, but 2019 
Coaster comes out, massive release on Elliptical Sun, um, which is an awesome label. I know all of your releases have been on that label, right? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say for the most part. There's a few before then, and I think there's a few going to be expanding uh, out into hopefully the future that um, are on, on different labels. I know there's a few, but uh, I don't want to say too much on those ones yet, but uh two at least two or three different labels um at the end oh, i don't know if you froze but uh yeah i can hear you you're good keep going now nick can you hear me can you hear me oh yeah i can nick? hear you now oh there you're, you're blinking again you're good. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if, if that part cut out, but um, yeah. So a few, a few new labels that I think, uh, I, well, a few I'm really excited to be on um, that I've been working towards for a little while, and uh, I, I can't really say much about those yet. But uh, yeah, I've uh, everything so far for the most part's been on elliptical, and they've been uh, pretty good for me. So awesome. Um, that's very yeah. Cool. That's is that Jeff Osmitz or who runs that label? Um, it's uh actually just a, a guy. His name's Alex. Um, and he's um, yeah, he's he's pretty good. He's pretty cool. Um, you know, he's Jeff, got. Stuff. What am I thinking of? What is what is he? Well, so Jeff, I know, I think was an A and R over there for a little while. Um, oh, okay. Adrian Alexander was an A and R. Right. Um, They've since I think they're they've moved on to to other things, um, but yeah, I mean that that label a lot of um, pretty good people and a lot of like my good producing friends have come through there. And if anything, I I just like elliptical for for the uh, producer family that we've kind of like built over. Yeah. At least I, I, obviously it's it's been there long before I was there, but um, yeah, I, there's probably like at least five or six of the guys I talk to on a daily basis. And then probably another like 10 or 15, I like troll every few days or <laughs> whatever. But I don't know. Like, I mean, you're, I guess you're on my, my Facebook, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a troll on other people's stuff, but yeah. So, so I basically get it back whenever I post like a, a profile picture or something, everybody like I post Photoshop photos of me and whatever, but part part of the game i guess but yeah those uh the producers i've met over there are, are really great people and i think it's just important to surround yourself with the people that are doing and like even like kind of how you were saying with like the funky guys or whatever but like the the guys that like you know give you that chance and the you know and and go on to become your friends and it's like when you're working with people that are working every day and and, and striving to do things it's Yes, I most of the time I find myself like, wow, I'm not doing enough to be like these guys, you know, and, yep. you know, are having my schedule. But, um, you know, they're they're always uh, they're all at different levels, like cool to help the people that are newer and like get ex get help from the people that are more experienced. And I think that there's a f like a fine balance of all of that um, yeah. with the people that I've met through there. So. Absolutely, man. It's a great record label, and, and you've had some awesome releases. I mean, 2019 was a really big year for you. Coaster, Interchange, and of course, Metrolink. Let's talk about Metrolink, man. I mean, that track, 
I mean, it puts you on the map, bro. Like, how can we sugarcoat it? I mean, above and beyond, drop this in two of their mixes. You said, I, who originally played that? Was it Adrian Alexander? Yeah, so uh, he played, so it was part of, like, the Elliptical Sun. They do, like, a compilation every year. And um, I had I had actually made Metrolink before uh, Coaster, but I never thought it was, like, good enough to release so i i didn't have any really really anything yeah i didn't i didn't end up doing it and uh it kind of just sat for a while and i i thought like coaster was like the one that i was like all right like this is cool and coaster's um, dope it's really dope like i i honestly like i think metrolink's sick i personally prefer coaster we don't have to tell the rest of the world that but (laughs) continue continue because that's really interesting well, I, yeah, I mean, I think basically, like, I, it's kind of like a weird story, but I, I had, like, signed Coaster or was going to sign it on this other label, and, well, so I finished Metrolink first, I sent it to a few places, they didn't want it, so I sent it to this other label that they were like, okay, we'll take it right away, but it, originally it was just like, I don't know, it was like an eight-minute song, it was, it, it the, 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 you know, the bulk of it was there, but there was, like, too much bulk, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um... Yeah, so that that obviously was no bueno, but it was sitting on this label to sign. They were like, hey, look, we, we want another song. Like, do you have anything else? And I had just finished Coaster, and I was like, oh, I, this is this song, very nice, you know, as, as uh, <laughs> Borat would say. And uh, yeah. he, uh, he basically, they took that song as well, and they're like, okay, well, here's the deal. Like, the way this label works, this is kind of more of a trancey song, so it's got to be on our side label of the sub-label. And we need three songs because we released three songs at a time or whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. But like, I never finished that much mute, like, you know, at, at yeah. the time. And I still really like what I finished, I try to like really dial in versus yeah. just having a ton of stuff, you know. And um, basically, I was working on the, the third song for them and my laptop got stolen out of my car and I lost that song that was like 85% of the way done. Pretty much everything from Coaster and like Metrolink was still there, but I and I still had like the Coaster project file. But and I was talking to my friend, his name's Ryland Taggart. He's on this label called This Never Happened, which is Lane Eight's label now. But he was like, "Hey, look," I was like, "I was like, I oh, dude, I don't know what to do. Like, I mean, I got all these songs, but now it's like stupid. Like, I don't know." But they, he actually was the one who was like, "Hey, you should send your stuff to Elliptical." He was like, "I'm I'm an A and R there at the time." He's like, "I'd love to help you out." you're cool, you know, whatever. And yeah. so I sent it, that did well. And then they were immediately like, hey, do you have anything else? Like after that did well, they're like, we need something by the, like literally two weeks from now, cause we're gonna do our big compilation. And yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, I don't have anything. But they're like, come on, you have something. And I was like, well, I have this like song, like Metrolink. And, and I uh, I sent that over and Adrian, uh, he he was like I think you know he they helped A and R and and we trimmed it down and you know changed a few things but um yeah yeah they at that point uh yeah I mean I, I was that track was being working on that track for a while and I was just like dude I don't know I don't know anything about it anymore just take it if you think it's good then whatever like I mean you guys yeah. know more than me and yeah he played it he played it first for. Uh, on his guest mix and then i think above and beyond played it two more times on group therapy after that and then uh yeah like you know christian aaron played it and 
a lot I mean a lot of people ended up playing and yeah it was just it was it was cool to see that like you know that was kind of like where it was like it doesn't necessarily matter the label like the music went further than anything that I could have expected and um that song has definitely like opened the doors for me I think like you said kind of like put me on the map a little bit and um yeah I mean it's kind of weird like I still play it um there's a lot of things I would definitely have changed in it now looking back but uh I know it definitely has like a heavy grum influence to it but uh definitely does doesn't it yeah yeah I, I mean some people have like kind of like called me out which is like who you know like you're like you sound too similar or whatever but like I mean definitely the beginning I, I was like really excited I found like the same like pad he used in um light speed which is one of his tracks and I was like I was so stoked to put it in the song yeah. so, like, the intro is pretty much that and, and a few people are like you know a lot of people have like called me out on it and like how similar it is to other tracks but like I what the way I, I like made the melody I just I the thing I do is I like put my piano on like a um delay and i just like hit the notes until something comes and it happened to be very similar to another song that came out which i end up referencing had i known that's maybe not necessarily the best way to go you know it's a great way to produce but i think you know whatever uh yeah yeah but, I know you sure, but um yeah I, I think uh i'd say we're still on uh, pretty good terms and everything since they've um they've been good to me anyway so far so that's above and beyond, man. I mean, that is, they are the, the leaders in that progressive, trans-progressive house. Like, they really, they, they spread it pretty wide for being within a genre, in my opinion, you know. And what they've done for the culture of electronic music, I believe, is, is completely invaluable compared to so many other artists. How they do it, when they do it, the fact that they give so much opportunity to people like you um is just so special so i just want to acknowledge you for that man i mean you should be really proud of yourself like even though it was last year dude like it's fucking above and beyond man well thank you yeah i mean i i think uh, a lot obviously goes into it and you know i i had um you know help from from people on the outside that helped kind of craft it and you know get things perfectly and take the village you know, take so the village. Yeah, I, I think that's just one of those things where it's interesting, where it's like, you know, everybody kind of helps everybody. Like, I have people, I help them write their stuff, and then, you know, they'll turn around and help me with a mix or, like, master, like, towards the end of the track or whatever. And I think that's so important because I don't, I, I truly don't think I would be, you know, regardless if that song came out or not, um, I don't think I would be where I was without some of, like, my friends that I, I've, I've met over the years and worked with. And, um yeah, I think that's just so important because, you know, you never know, you know, obviously like who you help is going to be like the next big person or who you burn is going to be the next person that comes after you and like right, right, destroys right. your career. And, you know, whatever, hopefully I haven't, uh, haven't done that at least too much. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess I, I just think that's the cool part of it. And then you kind of realize like that's what these professional people are doing as well. And then now to have some of them, in your in your network and, and people that you've looked up to i think is just like the coolest thing and and it's super motivating to me it's also a little scary when you know these you know some of these people are like asking for demos and you're like i don't know what i don't have anything you know right now <laughs> or like i don't know what this person would like but um yeah you know people are like just do you and i think that's you know important 
easier said than done. Like, trust me, like, you know, people tell me to just calm down all the time because I'm like, what if it sounds like this? What if it's, you know, whatever. And I think uh, you just have to, like, enjoy the process. And, you know, it's it's hard sometimes, like, when you have a song that, like, does really good and then your other songs kind of come out. And it's not that they do bad, but, like, I had a song that did what a lot of people would hope for happens any like you know by the end of their career i had it happen kind of early on and so yeah i think that was kind of weird at first where i was like you know it doesn't have millions of plays or anything but i think a lot of like you know it resonated with a lot of people which was cool yeah man but then you're like oh where do i go from here you know what's like the next step or what's the next song but i you know i think things will play out and i guess we'll see what what happens into the future but nobody nobody knows that part so that's true man and you've got a lot of different fashions and the most important thing is that like you're enjoying your process and, and i'm definitely glad to hear you are i mean you've definitely kept this quality i mean all of your tracks to me like one interesting thing about you and your production career is you have really high quality songs out right so you're building this incredible catalog on your own pace and i think that's great man because so many people rush the process because they think they have to flood the market you gotta have quality and quantity but like the fact is everybody's got their own journey everybody's got their own style everybody's got their own process stick to that find out what works for you right if you've got a, a day job like you do right like that is a true passion of yours do that and music what is what is music to you i guess actually on that note like since you are so passionate, you went to college for this. Like, is it a hobby? Is it what you would really want? What? What? It, where is like the line for you? Um, for film, you mean, or or for yeah, first, like, just in general? If I said you could have the world's best job or your dream job in in film or your dream job in music, what could you pick? So, I, like, I think even during quarantine, a lot of, I've kind of thought about this because I've never had this much time to kind of like sit down and like work on things i think at the beginning of quarantine i was very like gung-ho and i finished most of the songs that are will be coming out over the next few next couple months or whatever um and that's like the most songs i've ever finished in a year which is cool awesome but i don't usually have that amount of time right and i think yeah. by the end of quarantine i was like Ugh, like as much as i like love the streams and, and everything and like at some point you're kind of like well, dang, should I be making music or should I be making streams? And then you're kind of like, okay, I've been sitting here at the computer, like nothing's really coming out. Yeah. And and I know a lot of people are like, what's the point of like making music right now? Because I can't play it. But I think for me right now, it's the, like the coolest thing to come out of quarantine is like the Twitch streams. Like, you, you know, it's one thing to see people play their music on radio shows. Um, but as a, as a producer for it's been cool to see like the people you look up to or like other producers that are pretty big like play your stuff and like see like the live like feeds of it yeah know, happening at the same time and yeah. i think that's really cool and i've had some cool opportunities like come from from like demo drop session you know like random things that like never would have happened at quarantine yeah um but i think a lot of those things i appreciate because it's not things that happen a lot and you know, I'm, I'm pretty hard on myself for, for when things do happen. Um, and, and a lot of that wouldn't have happened without quarantine. So my, my only worry, if, if you're like in the ideal world, would you do music full time? I think like, honestly, I think I would end up being like too hard on myself. And uh, 
I don't know, like, I wouldn't want to do music full time, like freaking out of like, you know, what are people going to think of this? What, how, how is this going to put money on the table? Like, not that I'm like, I don't want to be a sellout or whatever. Like, I just kind of make the stuff that I like. And yeah, it's kind of just, you know, I try to make the stuff I like and it comes out as like a, like a B, a B plus or whatever version of that, you know, right. (laughs) But I think uh, that's part of the journey. But I, I like, you know, is, is film the thing I love? Like, I enjoy it. the hours are crazy so you know I don't know like you know everything's got like a a good thing and a like a pro and a con to it but I think uh to say that like I would like I I love music but like I don't think I'd want it as like a day job like right now it's just I kind of want to take it at the pace it's been going and I because you know I, I would just hate to to have that be something that I end up hating. You know, it's like, I love film and like, I do that full time. I do that like 15 hours a day. So it's like, obviously you see or, see the good and the bad after you do it like that. And I'm sure, you know, everybody's always like touring and, tu- you know, touring is hard and touring is hard on you, you know, yeah. but like, you know, obviously like I, I'm not to the point where I'm like officially touring. Right. Or like there were talks of doing some things, you know, after quarantine or like right before, you know, and you know i haven't done like a full like u.s tour you know so like it's it's like a goal to like be able to tour some cities but i i can see how like when i talk about film sometimes people are like wow that's like the coolest job ever right right the reality of it sometimes is like you're away from your friends and your family like working on these movies that like people are just gonna like not even pay attention to on netflix or like get really bad reviews so i think it's it's you know i don't know like again it's like everything has its pros and a con Yeah, they, they, well, yeah, I, I think fit the touring would be that, you know, you're away from your family and friends, but everyone's like, but it's so cool. Like, all I ever wanted to do was work on a film set or all I ever wanted to do is tour. Yeah. And I just I have to imagine if this is how film is, I have to imagine music and, and pretty much the entertainment industry and a lot of jobs are right. Um, but like they all have that job aspect to them. And like, you know, as much as I love releasing music, there's a lot you have to deal with with the labels and signing it, and then they sign it, and then you got to wait six months. Yeah. And so it's like you're sitting there, like, okay, okay, what do I do? Like, how many burgers, how pictures of burgers do I have to post on my Instagram? Like, I'm not very active on social media, you know. But like, I, I just like, I want to see that from people I look up to, but I don't see myself as somebody like, wow, like next enough, next like Gordon Ramsay, like, and I don't. I'll post pictures like what I make every now and then or if I do something cool but like yeah yeah I I don't know I I just I it's not really a lifestyle that like I'm super into I mean some people would be like really like you're lying right now but I think for the most part like you know I'm proud of what I've done in a way like you know publicly but I think underneath you're always you're always like but what if like what if somebody thinks this or like you know what it's just like a weird way to live and I don't know, like, I love music for, for where it's at right now in my life, and it's gotten me through a lot of stuff and and whatnot, but I think, I don't know, like, I'm I'm happy at, kind of like you said, the, the journey that I'm I'm going, and I don't know if you're the same way with, with you know, what you do, and, yeah. I mean, this, this seems more full-time, obviously, than, than, you know, what I do this at, but, you know, it is, I suppose, what you want to make out of it, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I feel the same in a lot of ways, man. And, and I had a lot of my own doubts about the podcast. Um, you know, when I started, a lot of people are excited about it, right? And then a year goes by and those people who were so excited about it aren't as excited about it anymore. And you're like, am I doing this for them or am I doing this for me? 
And I realized maybe two years after I started, I was like, it's not for anybody else but me. And that's mm-hmm. when I like re-fell in love with it. And now, four years later, I love the process. I love talking to people. Somebody I really look up to is Zane Lowe. And Zane Lowe is someone who started as an artist. And when you look at him and you listen to his interviews with people, he's relating to them on an artist-to-artist level. But you can almost tell he doesn't give a fuck who it is. He doesn't give a fuck who's watching. He's getting something out of that conversation that he's happy to be doing with his own life. You know what I mean? So, like, I always say, if it's just me and you and our mom and dads that watch this interview, that's fine with me because I genuinely enjoy these conversations. You mentioned the Elliptical Sun producing group. Every guest that's been on Sherman the Booth, I consider a friend of mine, man. A lot of them very good friends. And without these conversations, without this passion, without this, this you know, thing that I've started, I don't even know how else to put it sometimes, I wouldn't be the person I am. So I relate to you on a lot of different levels in that statement, Nick. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome. I mean, it's like, I think it's crazy how, like, we've never had, like, a Skype call, you know, before. But now it's like you, we're on this, like, level where you're like, dude, I get you. Like, exactly what you're saying, you know? It happens. I swear to God, every time I have somebody <laughs> on the show... We stay in touch, we talk, we exchange music, we help each other out in any way, man. That's what it's all about. Like the music industry and the film industry, and I can't speak so much as the film industry, but on the outside looking in, and even when you're on the inside, it's very competitive, it's very cutthroat. But there are a lot of people that will help you. And that's the only way that you can continue to rise is with the help of others. You know what I mean? No, 100%. I, you know, it's like I said, I wouldn't be where I am without the people who, who've helped me like mix and, and master and, and whatever. And I, you know, I get, you know, a lot of comments where it's like, someone will be like, yo, who, who did this? Or, you know, how do you mix, you know, how do you master like that? I'm like, oh, that's like my friend, Chris, or my friend, Jordan, like, yeah, exactly. they're great, like check them out, you know? And then that's like what, kind of what, what they do more of. And, you know, I don't know. It's like, I'm not, again, I'm not like trying to be like the number one person in the world. I think it's, you know, it's cool being at, at the level I'm at and, and meeting people and, and kind of being able to just go on this journey. And it's, you know, it, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, it's all sugarcoated now, but like there's times where I'm like, dude, I just can't like, I, this is crazy. You know, like, you know, whatever, this person doesn't sign it or it was signed and then doesn't get signed. And, you know, like there's always going to be that but like for me like when i see people like play it or like people like message and they're like this like song like made my day or whatever i'm kind of like you know that's like really cool that like something i made in my bedroom is at a festival right now in like montreal or like some guy that i've never met in my life is playing it in like spain you know and i hear it on the radio and i like can't even understand what they're saying except the word like you know nick hayes and the song (laughs) and i'm like I, I don't know if he's saying it's good or bad, but like, I mean, he could be like, look at this piece of crap, like from whatever and then the name, but I don't know. So some, so there's that, but like, you know, I think that's kind of part of being hard on yourself too. It's been fun. And overall, like, you know, you, when you get up and like open for someone and you know, whatever, and you get to play your music out and like see it live. And even on Twitch, like you see people like show up and I don't have the biggest fan group, but I have a lot of, people that are you know very cognizant i think of like what i'm doing and like supportive of it which is really cool so you know see what what happens with that i guess (laughs) now a question that you actually kind of brought up earlier and i've been asking everybody that's been on the podcast since the pandemic is your workflow and creative process in the studio obviously it's no secret this has been one of the toughest years this is the toughest year for the music industry we 
for the most part, as DJ producers. Produce music to play it at a club, to play it at a festival, right? That hasn't been happening. Has your process changed since you started? You know, I, I guess you mentioned you made a lot of music in the beginning. Were you thinking differently knowing that you don't know when your music might be able to play on a proper sound system? Towards the end, yes, a little bit. But like at the beginning, I was like, man, I never have this time. Like I, I've never been so ex uh, expired, uh, inspired. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe if I had, uh, if I got sick, maybe I might have been expired. But um, <laughs> yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, like I, I never really have the time. It's like, it's cool when I get these little like early, early days off and I'm able to do stuff like this or like work on music and um and whatnot but i think uh yeah like at the beginning it was cool like gung-ho you know finished as much as i i could i had a couple songs that like been sitting on for I mean, one of them one of the songs i'm going to release i think it's at the end of the year or at least it's going to come out towards the end of the year i don't know when the actual release date will be but that's a song i wrote like two years ago and <laughs> so it's like wow you know like when you think about it, it's like kind of like okay well probably should have just released it a long time ago because you get into this you know what at some point things don't change right but yeah yeah yeah. the perfectionist inside you says other things but uh yeah i think uh at the beginning a lot lot to do towards the end i was like yeah like, like you're saying you're like what am i gonna do like what is the next outlet for this but i think for me like i'm i'm excited by just seeing people play it on these bigger twitch streams where there's where there's like you know thousands and thousands of people like that's cool you know you never would have been exposed to that yeah uh you know i i've had i had uh, a remix that came about because i sent a song to this like twitch demo drop and they were like hey we like this and then they hit me up and they're like yo you can remix any any of my tracks just let me know which and we'll work it out song that happened to be you know a song that wasn't out yet so it's kind of like in this weird limbo of like i don't know if it's ever going to come out because they haven't even released the original but um yeah if, if that one kind of comes through i think that'll be a big one but i think a lot of a lot of it too is just to i mean obviously like you know i'm just getting into discord because i'm like an old man um <laughs> but uh that's been kind of fun a little bit to to go on there and just talk with talk with people and like I think with the pandemic, like I've I've actually like FaceTime more of these producers and and like people that have become really close friends and like collaborated with them. I like I did a song um, with Jeff and I I don't know if we know the release date yet, but I, I think that might be sometime in into next year. Yeah. At this point, but like you know, regardless of whether the song is our our best thing or not, I think. Like it was cool meeting meeting him, and now it's like I'll text him like a meme, and he'll actually respond because I have his phone number now versus like <laughs> Facebook message or yeah, yeah, you yeah. know whatever like weird things like that. But like that's been kind of what's getting me through, and I think I have I don't know like three or four I think three like collaboration tracks during this like pandemic time that like one of them. Uh, canada one from um europe one from uh well chicago but you know it's like it's very cool just to be like wow like this is like what my network has come to like going on you oh, know Twitch man. and like it's it's exciting you know in, in a way like i i love meeting new people and i'm not the best at like remembering names and whatnot but like i'm more than excited to like meet you or like meet this yeah. person at the party like i would rather go around at a party and meet everybody and just feel good about like 
oh, I interacted with so many people. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, crap, I don't remember anything. But, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm more excited about meeting people, right? So yeah. I think that's, like, what having done that and now, like, working on things and, like, finishing things that I think I'll remember the process and, like, learn from, from that or, like, make friends with these people I think has been uh, really cool. Like, the coolest part to have come out of the pandemic besides, like, a few opportunities that I definitely, like, wouldn't have with these, you know, people on Twitch or been on their, you know, might have been on their radars, but some of these opportunities might not have come about the way that they have. So, oh, um, yeah, yeah, definitely not easy, but, you know, I think you got to just make the best of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's been crazy things that happened in history and people bounce back, as they say, and there was still music and arts during those times. And, yep. um, you know, even like with, I, I think, you know, when you're talking about mediums and stuff, like, I think I, it's more weird for me, like, with film, like, you know, music will always be there. I Don't get me wrong, there's nothing, like, better than live music and, like, feeling like the, ooh, you know, in your chest and everything, like, I love that, you know, maybe this spared me a few years of hearing in my later life, <laughs> um, but I, I think for, like, movies in general, like, movies, like, movie theaters were kind of already, like, going out, and now it's, like, the push to streaming was already a thing, but now it's like a lot of stuff is coming out on streaming. So it's kind of like, well, I'm working on these big movies, but like everyone's going to watch it on like their iPhone now. It's like, yeah. kinda like that's kind of weird to me, just as like the artsy person that I am. But yeah, uh, yeah I don't know if the music stuff, I, I think you could, you know, you can't watch movies in your car, you know, or you, you do, but like you, you don't when you're driving. Like there's still going to be podcasts. There's still going to be, you know, live streams and 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 youtube videos and soundcloud mixes and shows and like you know insomniac's got a huge following for example on twitch like the things aren't the same like hell there's like minecraft concerts now like i you know i've never been to one but like i played minecraft for an unhealthy amount of time in college so i'm sure like it's a great thing i love man i'm so glad that you you've been able to stay motivated and creative and i hope for others that watch this show um can can follow in suit because it has been a tough year for for artists in general obviously not knowing what the outlook look like looks like when to a certain extent like if this is if this is your full-time career shows are where you make a lot of your money most of your money if not all of your money so i i think that just keep doing your thing with that bro is there anything you can tell us about nick because we've got a lot of hints You've got some remixes coming out you got some collabs is there anything that you can tell us or when we can expect to see some new music uh definitely uh well i don't know <laughs> waiting on a lot of like uh oh you're blue balling me come on god uh, yeah no i'm trying to think uh yeah <laughs> i actually never thought i would be in this spot where i have to um do this i mean I know you sent me the questions uh but i don't know what i, I can it's not like they're they're enormous things but i don't know what i can say and can't say i know there's i think there's something uh in december um, maybe two things in December, maybe a remix and an original, uh, and then a few things that I I just like I'm like I said with labels I just waiting to hear back like it's like they bit they they're on the line like yeah. it's just like can you send the contract so I can sleep at night kind of deal there's a few yeah. of those right now um, yeah I think with some of these like bigger labels you just kind of get put into their release schedule and if they're like eight months then eight months you're 
<laughs> kind of luck. But yeah, I think there's uh, there's some new stuff coming for sure. Um, I have maybe like one or two more songs that are like my my like I want to say like older like trancey progressive like I don't know more like something like Colony or you know that of that type um, stuff. And then uh, I'm gonna try to like go a little bit deeper. I know a lot of people like with the with quarantine have been like oh we're you know deep you know deeper house or like you know deep progressive is like the way to go and i'm like i've kind of been here the whole time but i guess i'm kind of changing it to something even a little more chill because you're always evolving right but um yeah i think just trying to just stay interested myself in it you know i think after a while you kind of land into the same thing but I'm, I'm excited for the track that i think comes out in december um, that's something I put a lot of time in. We've made it a couple times because the laptop got stolen and then it was like almost a collab with another artist. And then that kind of like fell through just because they were super busy or, you know, I, I don't know. We still talk, so I, I don't think, you know, it, w- it wasn't like a bad falling out or anything or yeah, like yeah. fallout of anything. It's just sometimes things don't plan out the way you do. And I think that that's one of the weird things with uh, music. It's just like, you never know until like the song is out. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I'm always like hesitant to say things, but it's looking very good for a remix and, and probably an original very soon. Good. Uh, both of which I'm excited for. So, good, man. Uh, but other than that, I'm just about out of things music wise to release. So I should probably <laughs> start doing something else or you know start some more songs i don't know like you got yeah for sure but yeah you know locked down in route so i wouldn't worry about having a little more time (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think we'll it'll be plenty of time before i'm uh you know on the big stage on the world tour anyways until they figure out the covid situation but uh gives me time you know predetermined man Nick, this has been such an awesome interview, man. I just want to say again, like, I'm such a huge fan of your music. You know, you're obviously a humble guy, but I want you to know, like, how great of a producer you are. I know a lot of people in Chicago, you know, shout out to the Funky Entertainment guys. Um, You know, Chicago loves our progressive trance, man. So uh, (laughs) if you're ever in the city, whenever this shit ends, man, let me know. Atlanta again soon, which I definitely will be. I'll hit you up. Yeah, for sure. Do it. Don't be like one of the people that has a connecting flight in Atlanta. It's like, yo, I'm in Atlanta. And it's like, cool. And they're like, well, I'm at the airport. Like, I was like, all right, well, I can't. Get there, so. <laughs> but yeah, no, let's definitely, let's definitely do yeah, something. I think we said He's like, I'll buy a ticket. I'll come into the terminal. Yeah, what the fuck do they know? That's yeah, like, yeah, go fly, fly standby or something for, for yeah. uh, you know, say a wait or whatever. But yeah, no, awesome. I, I love the, you know, performance and uh yeah great show excited to i've seen the last few and probably will start watching these uh you know more consistently moving on and yeah yeah keep keep doing what you're doing i think this is really sick and yeah sure. platform i'm having a good time with it man that's for sure and it's always an honor to connect with guys like you so i'll definitely be reaching out to you again soon and uh thank you again for your time i really appreciate it yeah good talk all right nick have a good night man yeah you too Peace.